Welcome back to Young Smart Money. My name's Apple Kreider and I'm your host. So a lot of us as young people are trying to build our credit or at least learn a little bit more about what goes into your credit and your credit score. And today we have a guest, Rod Griffin from Experian. Experian is a credit bureau and we're gonna talk all about what that means and what Rod actually does at Experian. Some of the main things we're gonna break down are what is a credit report, what is a credit score, how are those different, what do you want to make sure you are putting on your credit report from an early age, and all the good habits that you can be building early on in order to really, really impact your financial future and your credit. Now, if you've gotten some value out of Young Smart Money and it has helped you on your journey, please do consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. I would really, really appreciate it. It helps you hear from even more amazing guests and it helps the podcast just grow even larger. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Rod Griffin, thank you for joining us today on Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, Apple. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you here. So for those of our listeners that are not familiar with you, could you just give them a brief overview of what you do at this point and your involvement with Experian? Sure. Uh, My official title is Director of Consumer Education and Awareness for Experian. That means I get to talk to people like you and help others understand how credit reporting works and credit scoring works and what they can do to be more financially successful. So I have the best job in the company because I get to help people every day. Uh, so really, really awesome. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So really cool. I get to go to th- things like FinCon where we met and, yep. and meet cool people like you too. So um, you know, that's my job is to help people understand what we do and empower them to, to be more financially successful. That's amazing. And that's really what my passion is as well as just providing education to young people, especially on things like their credit and how they can improve it and just financial systems in general. So I'm really excited to have you here today. And I got a ton of stuff that I want to cover. So first of all, let's just flash back in time a bit to when you were a bit younger and when you were just starting out with your first couple experiences financially. Can you give us an overview of what your experience with money was like at a young age and how basically how your parents influenced you in in learning about money? Yeah, um, so a little bit back in time, long <laughs> way back in time. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I have to tell the story that my parents, when it especially when it came to credit, uh, they had opposing views. My mom thought credit was a gift from God and used credit cards and things. My dad thought credit was a, a, a tool of the devil, <laughs> something to be avoided entirely. And um, you know, I learned later in life. It's neither of those things, right? Mm. So it's, it's really, it's a financial tool that if you use it well, can help you improve your, your financial standing and be more successful. If you use it poorly, it can hurt you financially. So, um, you know, it was, that was sort of the credit exposure when I was young. Um, it was all or nothing. And mm. so that was an interest, always interesting with my parents. Um, but from a you know, saving and earning perspective, that's, you know, my, my parents always taught us you earn money. It's not just given to you. You learn to save, uh, you know, give back, you know, all of those, those kinds of fundamentals, you know, and, and, um, always important. Uh, you know, we you know, talk about, you know, my first experiences with saving, uh, you know, we were just before we came on talking about dirt bikes, and <laughs> motorcycles. And that was my first real saving experience when I was, I don't know, nine years old. My co- I had older cousins, they had dirt bikes and they had one I rode, learned to ride. And I told my parents I wanted to buy one. And they said, and we lived out in the country and they said, when you're 12, if you can save until you're 12, you can buy one when you're 12, thinking I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And 
So I did for three years. I saved and then I bought that little, they sold that little motorcycle and I bought it for $250, I think. Wow. Side job, saved my money. Um, so I had that little dirt bike that I rode around out in the country when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> so that was kind of first saving experience. Uh, and, and um, you know, from there it was, you know, the rest is history. I did the student loan thing. I was the mm. first person in my family to go to college. Wow. You knew I was going to school, but didn't have a way to pay for it. I didn't have enough save. You know, then my parents helped where they could, but you know, so I, it's, uh, it was a long time ago, um, <laughs> 30, one years, 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago, I graduated. Um, so, you know, I did the student loan thing then. And when I graduated, I graduated with the average student loan debt almost of today. Wow. So, um, and with a journalism degree mm. and reporter, editor, photographer made the grand sum in my first job of $13,000 a year gross. Um, so that was before taxes. Yeah. I my student loans and did all of those things. How big of an impact did those student loans have on you? Um, you know, they slowed me down a bit, but also learned to manage them well and take advantage of all of the options that are available with student loans. So I had hardship deferment and I had, I consolidated, I did every and everything in between working with the lenders and managed to pay them back. You know, I had dollars $27,000 student loan debt. Wow. And so it took a while, Yeah. but in general, you know, it's, if you think about, especially today, mm-hmm. $20,000, $30,000 in student loan debt is still less than the average new car loan. Wow. So, uh, you know, the average new car loan is about thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two $32,000. That's absurd. That is yeah. really absurd to spend that much. On. I don't yeah. know. That's just me. I would never spend that much on a vehicle. I haven't. I've never <laughs> spent that much on a car. Uh, it's, it's that, yeah. I mean, the, most expensive car I ever bought. I was the last one I bought and still driving and it was, it's a Hyundai. So, (laughs) you know, and I have a 10 year old pickup truck, but it's, so that's, you know, so yeah, I mean, but it's, if if you can pay $30,000 for a a car, you can manage $30,000 in student loan debt. Very true. So walk us through how your journalism degree translated to your current position at Experian because it yeah. innately feel like those are completely related, but how did, how did you get there? Yeah. So, um, when I graduated from college, I lived with my grandma in, in going to college and a marvelous woman, um, incredible, miss her horribly. Um, but I just graduated, was sitting at, at her house typing my resume, uh, <laughs> typing with literally click, click, click. And it was, it had a little screen, so like all the word processor, but it was <laughs> on paper and the phone rang and it was the publisher of a little newspaper called the Norton daily telegram and asked if I'd be interested in coming out for an interview and he said, sure. And the job market at the time was terrible and mm. nobody getting jobs. And so I went out, got the job. Um, if you're graduating with a journalism degree, my one piece of advice, always ask how to spell a person's name. That oh, was yeah. the trick in my interview because he, he, the publisher had me interview a man named Don, but I asked how to spell his name just in case, and it was D-A-U-G-H-N. So not Don, D-O-N, not D-A-W-N. Wow. <laughs> so uh, I got that right out of the shoe in. Uh, so I got that job, and it just so happened they used, well, I was a typewriter, Still, he was still using typewriters, but a, but a word processor as well. 
uh, that was this sort of, I can't even remember what it's called, an obscure word processing system. Uh, worked there for two and a half years, went back to school briefly, came to Texas uh, when my, my father got, my dad got transferred here uh, with a telephone company and realized there's a job market and applied for a job with municipal government in the city of Richardson, Texas. Mm-hmm. And they used that same weird word processor. So I knew how to use it hmm. and was in the communication, got that job in the, and that helped me get that job in the mm-hmm. communications department um, with the city of Richardson, Texas. And this is kind of a long story, but I was working with, with <laughs> the, the city, loved that job. It was a fantastic job. Still know the people there um, and still good friends, but uh was looking through the one ads for my stepdaughters for, for her, a job for her one day while I was at the city and saw this ad for a communications writer, uh, an education person at Experian, hmm. who's education content. I told my wife, I can do that. She said, then apply. And I went, but I had this great government job. So I said, <laughs> a lot. Benefits are fantastic. It's eight to five, no stress. I love this. And she said, send a resume anyway. So I did. And, I got the job. That was 21 plus years ago. So wow. kind of dumb luck. Um, turns <laughs> out the person who had the position before me went to the same college, knew the same professor, saw my resume, said if he, he went to school there and knows that professor and that professor will give him a recommendation, he's worth hiring. So hmm. that's how I got to experience. Well, all right. 21 years and seven months. Wow. So you didn't have, did you have a particular interest in financial literacy before you took this position? Uh, no, I mean, that wasn't really in the, in the, in my sort of list of things I would have thought about. Um, hmm. I was interested in communications okay. and journalism, uh, media. And so in, in my previous roles, I went from being a reporter and editor, photographer to communications in the city, producing communications content. And then at Experian, part of the part of the role is still media relations. So hmm. I talked to a reporter earlier today. I talk to reporters all the time. Uh, so it still ties back into my degree uh, and into my background. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I scare our PR people all the time because <laughs> I'll challenge reporters and I'll argue with them a little bit. And it's you know, so I don't always stick to the talking points like they want me to. Got to give them a little fun. Yeah, but I'm honest with them, you know, and I, I believe that's always the best, you know, best approach. Be honest and be direct. Answer the questions, and um, you know, if they're asking me something, and it's that the question isn't the right one, or it's based on a, a myth or a misunderstanding, I want to help them make sure they have the right information. So completely agree. Um, you know, that's kind of the approach I take. And from a financial education perspective. Um, it's been a, an incredible journey and really has become a passion. And it was a commitment by Experian more than almost 26 years ago now, 25, 26 years ago before I joined. Um, and the person who hired me was named Maxine Sweet. She started the education and financial literacy program at Experian. Wow. Um, because she saw that our industry, people didn't understand it, didn't know how to interact with us. We had our issues at the time. Mm-hmm. and saw the importance of helping people understand who we are and what we do. And, and by doing that, we're able to build relationships, empower people, give them actionable information 
and it helps us as a company with our reputation and yeah. with our costs, believe it or not, uh, it can help lower our costs and it helps people get the, the credit they need. So absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, and I still remember my first experience with a loan was getting, a mo I had this thing about motorcycles. I've gotten out of the <laughs> When I was at the newspaper, I got a loan for $2,000 for a used street, street bike. Mm. And the banker, I'll never forget, came to the counter and I gave him my application and I knew him because it was a little bitty town, about 3,000 people. And he said, I've got to go check your credit. And he left me standing there at the counter and went into the back room for like 30 minutes. Oh my. Well, what is, what's happened? I don't know what's happening, but he left and he came back and he said, well, your credit's good. I have to give you the loan. That bike ought to be big enough to kill you. <laughs> oh, well, you know, that's none of your business. My, you know, my finances are good. That's what's important. And takes it makes his decision objective i also told him yeah but you had a little triumph convertible that you wrapped around a tree the other day so <laughs> you're okay and then my bike's not that big so. <laughs> so but what happened with credit no idea you know what went on in that back room and hmm. now now i know <laughs> well now let's hop more into the uh the the financial literacy and, and nitty-gritty side of things so Speaking of that, can you talk a little bit about what Experian actually does and like what a credit bureau is? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. And it's really pretty simple. It's uh, Experian is actually the world's largest information services company. And wow. we, a credit bureau is part of our business. Okay. Uh, and that's what we're best known as. Yeah. Uh, so we have different divisions as well. We have a, our credit reporting agency or credit reporting company. We mm -hmm. have a credit scoring division called Decision Analytics. We have a fraud uh, division. We have a healthcare information division, hmm. we have a marketing division, and they're all separate. They, and the information does not go into your credit report. Credit reporting is a system of collecting information from thousands of sources all related to your debts okay. and compiling it in a way that a lender in particular, or it could be another business who's making a financial risk decision mm -hmm. can use that information to help them in that decision. So we collect information, store it in a way that can be accessed mm -hmm. so that the business can manage risk more effectively, can determine whether or not lending money to a person will be repaid. Mm -hmm. um, and that's fundamentally what we do. We don't make judgments about the information in the credit report. We don't, um, edit the information that comes to us. So if a lender reports an account, our job is to accurately show in the credit history what a lender tells us is in their records. Hmm. Uh, and so we don't decide that Apple isn't, isn't a good risk or a bad risk. Mm -hmm. We don't decide that if a lender says, hey, this account was uh, current all the time, we don't say, oh, we think it ought to be 30 days late. That's not our job. Hmm. Uh, you know, our job is to act like a library. We collect information, compile it in a way that can be checked out, kind of like a library collects books, stores it using, I think they still use the Dewey Decimal System, and <laughs> library card, you can check it out, right? So you can go get that book out. Um, with us, a business can come to us if they meet a permissible purpose under federal law, they can get a copy of their credit report. And and the Fair Credit Reporting Act specifies what those permissible purposes are. Hmm. I like that analogy of a library. I think it really makes sense. Yeah. What are what are some of the times when somebody's credit might be ran? Can you give some examples? Obviously, yeah. taking out like a loan or something like a car or a mortgage, but what are some of the other scenarios where somebody's credit might be ran? 
Yeah. So the, we all kind of know the common ones. You're right. It's, you know, it's getting a credit card, getting a car loan, getting mm -hmm. a mortgage, getting a personal loan, but credit reports are used in a lot of other things too. You know, we all have a cell phone, right? Yeah. And a smartphone that cell phone company can check your credit report when you're trying to buy that new phone because they want to mm -hmm. make sure that you're going to get, make payments on it most of the time. Mm -hmm. And will you make those payments on time? Plus you're going to have a service fee. Uh, yep. So, can you make those cell phone payments on time every month? So they'll check your report. If you don't have a good credit history and you don't have good credit scores, mm -hmm. you might have to pay more for that phone or make, make a bigger down payment. So yep. big one, uh, if you're going to rent, the rental mm -hmm. uh, management company might look at your credit report to see, see that you'll make those rent payments on time. Yep, my landlord looked at my payment or my uh, yeah. credit score. Yeah, absolutely. And utility companies can look at your credit report if they're determining whether you'll pay your utility bills on time. Hmm. So in, if it's a financial decision, they may look at your credit report. Uh, and that's the most common thing we see. Um, not the only time we see it though. If you're applying for a government job where a specific license is required or security clearance is required, they may check your credit report. Really? Yeah. So it's, that's a big issue for military personnel is security clearance. Mm. Um, if you are applying for a job that involves managing, say, something dangerous like chemicals or something, they might check your credit report to really? make sure you are who you say you are, not for a financial purpose, huh. but check your credit report to match your identifying information from your credit report to what you put in the application because they want to know you are who you say you are. So it's a, it's a, a an anti-fraud tool and an identity verification tool. That's um, very interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. So if you apply for your social security, uh, go online to access your social security administration records. Mm -hmm. Part of what they do may be use a credit report to verify mm -hmm. your identity. Uh, so they use experience services. Wow. The identity verification. So that's very interesting. Yeah. So why should young people be thinking about their credit score at all? I know a lot of people that I talk to, Think it's a tomorrow thing they can think about when they're 20 when they're 30 when they're 40 but why is this something that people should actively be thinking about at a young age yeah it because tomorrow comes really fast mm. uh, so, yep. you know and you made me think about how old i am now uh, so <laughs> it's like it doesn't seem that long ago but um i was sitting where you are not that long ago um but you know when you graduate you're going to want to rent an apartment. You're going to want to buy a car or lease a car. You're going to want the latest and greatest cell phone, which most of us all do already do anyway. Yep. Um, you're going to want the lower, the as low a cost as you can get for your utility service in terms of security deposits. Mm -hmm. So, and you're doing that now as a student, mm -hmm. rent an apartment or rent it you know, off, off campus, yep. living off campus, all of those things apply. So if you have a good credit report, and with that's re, that's reflected by good credit scores it's going to help save you money that's the first issue helps you get set up because all of those things that you want to do when you graduate and start your new career is going to potentially involve a credit report so you want it there to work for you uh, yep. and so that's really important when you apply for a job they may check your credit report if they're looking at something like managing a company's money it's going to be an mm. account or you know checker where they're managing cash um, they may check your report. So not scores. Employers never get credit scores. That's a common myth. So I always make sure oh, really? I say that. 
Yeah, the employers never get credit scores. So is, uh, is your score, your score is not included on your report? Those are separate? Correct. Correct. The credit score is a separate um, tool. It's, it's a tool used to analyze the information in a credit report. Uh, the, the analogy I always use, it's kind of like a, the difference between a paper and a grade when you're mm. in class. So your credit report's the paper that you create. Yeah. So you write the paper for class, you do the research, demonstrate that you have the knowledge, turn that into the, the professor, and they're going to grade it, and that grade represents the quality of that work, of that paper. It's kind of the same thing that happens with a credit report. You have credit accounts, that history of, the, of how you manage those accounts is shown in the credit report. You build that credit history. Mm -hmm. a, credit, a credit score reflects the quality of that credit report at a moment in time when you apply for credit. Okay, so is the credit score only computed when you are applying for credit, like you said? Yeah, exactly. Is that computed yeah. by the banks or by Experian? Yes, both. Okay. <laughs> can be both. Uh, so credit scores actually, you know, you, you hear the name FICO, yep. you hear the name score, and some, uh, there are other credit reporting, or credit scoring companies. What happens is credit scores come to be in one of basically three ways. We have at Experian 250 or so credit scores that reside in our systems, meaning FICO rents space from us on our computers. And a lender, when they come to us, can say, I want Rod Griffin's credit report, route it through the FICO 8 model mm -hmm. when you send it to me. So we compile the report. That's what we get paid to do. Mm -hmm. And then we get paid for the service of routing it into the room that's rented by FICO. That score's calculated. That score algorithm is proprietary to FICO or the developer. Mm the score and the report go out the window on the other side to the lender in parallel. And then it pops up on the computer screen today, in most cases, or they can print huh. it. But the lender can say, I want the identifying information from the credit report when you deliver it. And then I want the scores. And then I want the rest of the report to show. So the way it's delivered can make it look like the scores are part of the report. In fact, they're not. Um, so that's the first way scores happen. Mm -hmm. The other ways is, we send the report to the lender, they pull that into their systems and they calculate a score. Credit Bureau's not involved in experience, not involved in any way. Mm -hmm. um, with mortgages, they have third-party mortgage reporting companies. Hmm. And they'll get your credit reports from all three of the national bureaus. They'll compile, merge the information, calculate a score, that kind of thing, and send it to the mortgage company. So we wouldn't see that either. So we may or may not have any involvement at all in the scores. Oh, that's very interesting. I totally had been conflating those things for a long time. So that's yeah, a, that's awesome. a good distinction to make. I never, I never realized that your score was not included on the report. Yeah. Not part of the credit report. So. All right. Well now let's talk about some of the things that will influence your score that are located on your report. So can you break down maybe the criteria that go into a good credit score and, and what yeah. you can sort of like, like what, yeah. What are the aspects that go into a credit score? Yeah, so when you when you start with a credit report, you're going to see identifying information. We need to know who you are. Yep. So on that report, you can see your name, your address, your social security number, date of birth, that kind of information. You may see variations in a social security number if uh, there's been a number transposed or you're a victim of fraud. So we list all of those. It's not an error. Yeah. See that. Um, same thing with street addresses, dates of birth, that kind of thing. So um, names, variations would be on your report. Mm -hmm. uh, so ID, ID because we've got 220 million people with reports. You may not be the only person with your name. Uh, so yep. and probably aren't. So mm -hmm. we need all of that ID. We do not just match to a social security number or to a name. Uh, 
Hmm. So matched it. Everything is provided to us. Um, so ID is going to be the first thing you'll see. Yep. Then you'll see on the report your account information. So do you have check uh, not check accounts back up? That's not on a report. <laughs> you see um, installment loans, credit card accounts, you know, auto loans, mortgage loans. Those sorts of things will be on a credit report. Mm -hmm. as well as information about them. What's your association with that account? Are you a joint account holder? Are you an individual account holder? Are you an authorized user? You would see the balance on that particular account. If it's a credit card, you would see the credit limit the current, along with the current balance. If it's an installment loan, you might see the principal amount and the remaining balance. Mm -hmm. Most importantly on a credit report, you're going to see the payment history. Are the payments being made on time or are they late? Mm. That's the most important piece of information in a credit report and also the most important information affecting a credit score. So you have to pay your bills on time every single time. Makes sense. What thing you do. Um, so you'll see all your kind all the kinds of accounts you have. You would then see potentially bankruptcy. That's the only public record now that appears in a credit report. So you'd see a bankruptcy public record if, and we hope you haven't declared bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, and so that would be there. Uh, if you have, um, and instructions to contact us so mm -hmm. you get your personal report you'd also see what we call inquiries and mm -hmm. inquiries are simply a record of who's looked at your credit report there are two kinds on a credit report they're what we call hard inquiries so if you apply for credit and the lender looks at the report that represents a potential new account or new debt that doesn't show yet on the report mm -hmm. so that an inquiry represents a little bit of risk and so it's sh shared with lenders and could affect scores a little Soft inquiries are things like pre-approved credit offers, getting your own report, reviews by your existing lenders, those sorts of things, um, insurance inquiries, employment inquiries. Those only show to you, don't affect scores in any way. Hmm. Uh, and that's really all that's in a report. So it's all debt-related information. Uh, okay. So what a credit score does is then pulls that information into it. And a credit score is going to look at, first and foremost, what's your payment history? Are you yep. paying on time or are you late? Uh, if you're late, that's going to hurt your credit scores really bad, really fast. Yeah. Really simple. The second thing that scores are going to look at is what we call your utilization rate or your balance to limit ratio on your credit cards. Mm -hmm. So if you have high balances compared to the credit limit, it's going to hurt your credit scores. Yep. Uh, so um, those by far the two most important things. Um, then it looks at how long have you had a credit history, you know, how long have your accounts been open, what yep. kind of mix do you have in types in terms of types of credit, um, you know, do you have installment loans and revolving accounts? That stuff just kind of builds on the first two. So if you have an account or two and you're paying the bills on time, keep your balances low. As you go through life, you're going to have other kinds of credit and then build that history. There's nothing you can really do to say I want to go to from zero history to lots of history all at once, mm -hmm. you know, long history. This doesn't, it takes time. It's, it's sort of an organic thing. Um, and then scores are going to look at what have you done recently? So have you applied for new credit recently? So do you have new inquiries, but also have you paid something off recently? Have you increased your debt recently? What's happened in the last say three to six months? Uh, and for most people, you might see one or two inquiries most of the time are kind of, you know, a fairly large number. You don't see many hard inquiries. I may see lots of soft inquiries, don't have to worry about those. Um, and then they look at um, you know, what's your outstanding debt, what's your debt load, installment, remaining balances, those sorts of things. So mm -hmm. what's your debt load and how are you managing it? So it kind of captures the picture, of, uh, the whole picture of your credit history.
Hmm. Okay. So what are some of the biggest myths that go around with credit scores and credit reports? Because I hear a lot of people spreading misinformation, even if they're not quite aware of it. So what are some of the biggest myths that you guys come across and what are, what are sort of the, uh, the truths behind them? Yeah. Oh my. Um, how long do we have? <laughs> so it's, uh, there are lots of them. Uh, yeah. I hear people think there are lots of things in a credit report that aren't really like what? Um, so I hear people say, you know, things like arrest records are part of a credit report hmm. or, um, you know, things like, um, 401k or um, hmm. other assets. Yeah. Know, interesting. Report, and they're not. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> credit reports are looking at, do you pay your bills on time regardless of your income or assets? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, ironically, how much you make has little to do with whether a person will pay a bill that's agreed or not. Um, really? Yeah, I guess that, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, there, there are a lot of people who have very, very few assets and low incomes that manage their credit really well. And there are a lot of rich deadbeats out there. Yep. So, you know, just kind of the way it works. Um, you know, the more common things, if I pay off an account, it will come off my credit report. Mm. Um, not the case. Your credit reports a credit history. So once you pay that account, it should be updated to show that it's paid, but it won't fall off right away. Um, a big one that we, we often hear is a divorce decree separates joint accounts. It mm. doesn't break the contract. It's a sad you know, reality. Um, a divorce decree is a, an agreement between the court and the divorcing couple and doesn't break the contracts you have. So you have to go back to that lender and they would have to agree to change that contract. Really? Um, yeah. And so it, the sad thing is when people are trying to separate their lives, they end up making that thinking that's the case and it mm. end up kind of continuing the, the challenges instead of um, you know, separating things. So it's a hard one. We hope people don't have to go through um, paying a bill. Uh, will cause it to return to the credit report, particularly with a collection account. And if I pay a collection, it's going to start the clock over again. Hear that a lot. Mm. Not true. Um, collection agencies have to report what's called the original delinquency date of the original debt, and that can't change. So you can work with a collection agency, pay a collection agency, whatever you need to do, it won't start over again. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, so we, those are you know, the kind of things we hear. Um, there's only one credit score. Not true. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of different ways to get to a credit score. And there are lots of different scores. So, yeah. What's the, what's the, is there like specific uses for specific scores or is it kind of just random? Yeah. I mean, there, so there are different scores because there are different types of lending, different types of lenders. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so a credit union may use a different kind of score because their customers are different than say a national bank. Hmm. So their scores, they may use different scores because they're trying to evaluate the risk of their particular kind of customer and the mm -hmm. characteristics that they have. If you're buying a car, they're going to use a different score than if you are buying a house. Hmm. So mortgage lenders would use a different score. Mortgage lending uses a different score than an auto loan. Uh, if you're buying a car, the FICO scores for auto lending actually go to 900. Really? So you could, yeah. So you could have a score that's higher than 850. So, why? Why have all these different, like you yeah, said, well, four different, different kinds of lenders and different kinds of lending, but it seems like a little bit superfluous to have all these different scores for, for all these different purposes. Yeah, well, but I'd say if you walk onto a car lot, mm -hmm. so you went to, went to a Chevy dealership 
And every car was exactly the same car with exactly the same paint with exactly the same options. Mm -hmm. They'd have a hard time selling their cars because everybody has a slightly different need. So you might have exactly the same car except the paint color is different. Or if you're buying a truck, I'm in Texas, so everybody has to have a truck. So you get a truck, do you want four wheel drive or two wheel drive? Do you want a long bed or a short bed? Do you want four door or two door? Do you want king cab or not king cab? I mean, all, <laughs> all these different options, you know, you want the big engine or the small engine. And because everybody's a little different and that's the same thing with credit scores. Uh, you know, if you're, so they compete. So Vantage score, for example, competes mm -hmm. with FICO. And, and so they have slightly different scores. They have ways of calculating the scores based on the same information uh, to predict risk. And for some lenders, one works better than others based on their customer needs and the kinds mm -hmm. of business they do. Uh, if you're renting an apartment, they have a different kind of score than, than a lender would. Uh, if you're getting insurance, they have a score specifically for insurance uh, that's different than any other score. Um, you know, so, so there's different scores. Um, if you think about school uh, and grades, another good analogy, um, you know, why there are different scales, I don't know. <laughs> you know every professor can grade differently too. One yeah. might have a hundred scale, one might have a 75 or a 50. Um, you have to ask them why, I don't know. You know, that makes sense. That makes sense. That, you know? So in general, if you have a high score in one of these types of scores, is that going to mean you're going to have a generally high score in another type or is it yeah. to vary too dramatically? Yeah. I mean, if you have a good score with one system, you're going to have good scores with others. You, okay. You're not going to see you have a, a poor score of one and a great score with a different system. The numbers can be wildly different, hmm. but, but you know, because the scales can be so different, Yeah. Uh, but they'll mean the same thing in terms of risk. You know, same okay. thing if you take a, a quiz in college and one grades it on a hundred uh, point scale and one grades it on a 50 point scale, you know, a 50 and a hundred mean the same thing if you ace it. So yeah, but there's different numbers. Okay. Um, kind of the same thing with scores. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. So let's get, let's get practical here. Like what can a young high school or college student do right now? Like what can start, let's start with a general overview, like a general overview of like what a good track to get on to start building your credit would look like. So what do you think would be some good first steps for somebody who hasn't even started yet? Yeah. So, um, one, it can be a challenge because there's something called the card act mm. that prohibits anyone under the age of 21 from getting a credit card unless they have a joint account holder, uh, or can demonstrate the ability to repay. And that definition can be hard to meet. So, um, you know, you almost need to have a, have someone who's a joint holder with you to get a credit card. So yeah. starting with a credit card, if you're under 21, can be a bit of a challenge, which usually you're graduating, unless you're like me and you go an extra year or two, you're not, you graduate by 21 or so. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, credit cards may not be the best, but if you can have someone add you as an authorized user, that can be mm -hmm. a great tool yep. uh, or a joint holder. But as an authorized user, you are not responsible for the debt. So you don't have to repay any of that. Um, if, it, if it, the account goes bad, if it, if it becomes negative, we'll take it off the report for the authorized user. Really? Uh, yeah. So I was aware of that. Yeah. So it's, so it's a pretty low risk. Uh, and I've talked to parents who have, they'll open an account and add their child as an authorized user to use it as a teaching tool. So they'll say, you know, we'll go, we're going to go buy school clothes or we're going to go, um, you know, buy books and get ready for school, have them swipe the card, talk about, get the receipt, talk about how much they spent. And then mm -hmm. at the end of the month, walk through the billing statement with them and explain this is you know, how interest works. This is 
why you have to repay it. It's not free money to teach wow. them. So it can be a great way. Yeah. Um, you know, as a student, if you're in college and you're renting, mm -hmm. talk to your landlord. They can report your rent payments to Experian. Really? That can help you. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a cost yeah. to that? Uh, no, um, not by, from us. We work with third-party uh, company agencies to collect the information. They may charge a service fee. Okay. But, and there are different ways I've seen that applied. So a landlord can pay it themselves. Uh, mm -hmm. so, and it could be, you know, one unit apartment in a house or it could be a 10,000 unit complex. Um, and they can report those, those positive rent payments to Experian. And so they work with a third party. You go to Experian.com slash build credit history. It explains how to have to do that. Cool. Um, but really pretty easy to do. I've seen landlords add it to their rent payment. Um, I've seen mm -hmm. them. You know, I've seen the the the, the uh, tenant pay the landlord to say I'll do it for extra and have them do it. Um, and often they'll do it as a as a benefit mm. to the tenant because it helps build their credit history. So yeah. one possibility. Um, and we were the first in our industry to do that to actually include positive rent payments. So that's pretty cool. Um, good way to start there. Secured accounts you know, with the banks who put some money in a savings account, they'll issue you a credit card tied to that secured account. Mm -hmm. Um, that doesn't secure you. It secures the bank. That's the, <laughs> you will confuse what they're, what that means. Um, so if you don't pay the bill on that credit card, they take it out of your savings and then they report the payment late. Uh, yeah. So you, you pay the consequence and the, and the, and the bank. So, um, you know, it's yeah, important to understand that, but it can be a great way to build your credit history too and have some savings tied to it. So. Absolutely. So there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of different ways to get started building your credit how did you get started? What was your first? Well, you said the auto loan was your first loan. Actually, no. The this my student loans were probably my first loan that mm. appeared in my credit report. So that's another way to start your credit history. Not always the most desirable way. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so student loans will be reported as well. Uh, and from there, I'm trying to think, is that my little motorcycle loan? Uh, <laughs> my little loan for a big motorcycle, actually. But um, so that was that was there a credit card. So my first credit card. Uh, and you know, that was primarily after I graduated. I had the advantage when I started my job, I wasn't paid very much at all, mm -hmm. but my apartment, the, the publisher of the newspaper already had it um, secured for me. It was $250 a month, including utilities and furnishings. Wow, wow. So, but it wasn't very big. It took two steps to go from the kitchen to cross to the whole other <laughs> side. The it was tiny, but it was cheap. Um, you know, yeah. so yeah, I, there were benefits there. Um, so, and we didn't report rent at that time. So, <laughs> and I didn't know that, but huh. yeah. Very interesting. What are some good strategies that young people can take more on like the tactical side? So things like becoming an authorized user or like smaller sort of techniques that young people can start using to get sort of a leg up. Yeah. So, um, if you become an authorized user or you become a joint holder, uh, or someone co-signs for you for like a credit card. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't have to be a big limit. It could be a $500 limit. Mm -hmm. Make a small purchase, 10, 20, $30 a month. Turn around and pay it in full right away. You don't yep. have to carry a balance. Uh, you don't want to pay interest because that's all that really happens from a credit reporting and scoring standpoint is if you carry a balance, you're, you're just paying interest on it. It's not going to help your credit scores. You want mm -hmm. the balance to be as low as possible. Absolutely. So pay that balance in full uh, and do that. So that there's activity in the card, uh, an account needs to have at least three months and usually six months of consecutive activity to be included before it can be included in a score. 
Hmm. So you need to have the activity, not just have the account, but the activity as well. So you need to use it a little bit. Um, so make sure you use that account. And again, it doesn't take a lot and that will start building that history. That's kind of the, the key. Hmm. Very interesting. So for me personally, I'm going to ask myself this questions here, but if I have credit cards that I haven't used in a couple months, are those going to fall off of my account eventually if I don't make purchases on them? Yeah. So a couple things happen. If you don't use an, an account at all, mm -hmm. a card at all, eventually uh, it would, the lender would probably say, Hey, we want to close it because yeah. it's just expensive for us to maintain a, an account that's not being used. So they might close it. Uh, it would. And so eventually it would come off the credit report. Mm -hmm. The other thing that would happen though, is even if it's still on the report after a period of time, because there's no activity, scores would ignore it basically they wouldn't include mm. it in the calculation so you need that activity there uh, so you might have it but it wouldn't be helping you okay okay definitely definitely makes sense and is there sort of a limit of how many lines of credit is too many lines of credit yeah. primarily as far as credit cards go just because i assume most people aren't going to be accumulating like a dozen mortgages yeah. um but what what do you what do you see as being a good a good number at least in your opinion yeah well you only need one or two accounts from a credit. Completely agree. Point. Completely agree. Yeah. So from a, a need versus want, you know, there's no ideal number that really depends on the individual's credit history and mm -hmm. how long it is and what the rest of their credit looks like. Uh, but having one or two accounts is enough. And then you're using them. Uh, but it's good to have a credit card, not just an installment loan. A credit card helps because you decide how much you're going to charge each month. You decide how much you're going to pay. So there's some free will involved and that gives a little better insight into how you make independent borrowing and repayment decisions. Absolutely. But with that free will, it doesn't definitely, there are some people who it's not going to be beneficial for some people who it's not going to work for. And yeah. that just comes down to having that self-awareness. I think of, is this a thing? Is this a tool that I can yeah. manage well or is it not? Because I know yeah. a lot of people do get stuck in that trap. I think the average household is, is something like $10,000 of credit card debt. Pretty close to that. Yeah. yeah. A little more in some studies I've seen. Um, and so it's, yeah, I mean, and that's, it, it really has been on the first instance. For some people, one is too many. One counts too Yeah. Many. Definitely. Um, Definitely. So, yeah. You got to figure out what's going to work for you because what's going to work for me is not what's going to work for everybody. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and, and people will say, well, I just want a card for emergencies. And Pizza and beer on Friday night are not emergencies, although it can yeah. definitely seem like it. <laughs> Even after you graduate, I still have that feeling once in a while. But I had an economics professor that used to use pizza. He was German. It was pizza und beer. It's examples for everything. So, yeah. All right, Rod. Let's wrap it up with some good resources that young people can follow up with if they're interested in learning more about building their credit or just getting off on the right foot financially, where would you recommend? What are some good resources you think they yeah, could check sure. out? Well, come to Experian, obviously. Uh, if you go to experian.com slash consumer education, you can find some great resources from us about building new credit and how credit reporting works um, and, and what you need to know. Our website, experian.com, is a great place to, to go. There's credit, a credit advice column that we uh, produce. It's actually hmm. my first job. Um, and so we answer questions from people about credit reports and scores and have lots of other great information. All of it's free. Um, it's a great place to go there. Join us. Uh, I do a Periscope on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So mm. experience credit chat Periscope, 1.30 Central, 2.30 Eastern. And just spend 30 minutes answering people's questions. And on Wednesdays, 
at two o'clock central, three Eastern our, on our, on Twitter and Facebook live. We have a credit chat. Uh, mm, wow. Talk about all sorts of personal finance things, including credit. And you can learn more about that at screen.com slash credit chat and, and tell you how to, to find us and, and what we're going to talk about. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link up all of those links and uh, times and locations in the show notes for this episode as well. So you guys can definitely check those out if you're interested in learning more about credit and following up with Experian. Rod, any last closing thoughts that you have for our listeners today? Anything you want to leave us with? Yeah. Don't be afraid of your credit report. I talked to so too many people and asked if they got the report and their head drops. and like that. <laughs> Get that report. Know what's in it. You can't do anything about it to have it. So mm. get that report. Check it out. Don't be afraid to use it. Use it as a financial tool. It's, it's there to work for you if you use it well. Wiser words have never been spoken. Thank you so much for your time, Rod. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Young Smart Money. If you want to support the show, you can do so in three different ways. You can subscribe, you can leave me five, and you can share this episode with a friend. To subscribe, all you got to do is click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. To leave me five, all you got to do is scroll all the way down to the bottom of the podcast's page for Young Smart Money and click on the Write a Review button. And to share with a friend, all you got to do is screenshot yourself listening to this episode, post on your Instagram story, tag me, and I'll be sure to repost it in my Instagram story as well. I love giving you guys some attention who are listening to the show. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.